Welcome to the Sharon Fitzmaurice podcast. My guest today is Mads Fries, who is the founder of the Growth Island podcast on health, performance, business, and life's bigger mysteries, covering more than 90 episodes with global experts. One of Mads' biggest passions is building health-related impact ventures. And during the past few years, he has built three successful startups with Kring, making a positive impact, pushing boundaries, and learning new things. So, Mads, you're very, very welcome. And thank you for being my guest today, which is episode 42. And I know that you have probably over 90 episodes on your own Growth Island podcast to date. And it's amazing. You have amazing guests on, you know, and you're sharing so many wonderful ideas and inspirations and new initiatives that are happening. So I want to find out a little bit more about you, Mads. So tell me a little bit about your background. I know that you played sport at a high level and you've done lots of personal growth studies, which is fascinating. And maybe you can give us an insight into Mads and where he started and what brought him to this beautiful day to who you are now. Sure. And again, thank you so much for having me on. So I've always been extremely curious. So when I was a kid, I would ask weird questions like, why is a cow called a cow? Why not a horse? And that, what if I called it a horse? Is it then still a cow? <laughs> I don't know how I got those uh, thoughts, but my dad has always been entertaining about uh, discussions. When we went on a, on a car trip, my brother would go nuts. My older brother's like, mess, just accept it's a cow. Um, so for some weird reason, always been extremely curious. I used to take all electronics apart and wanted to try and put them back together. And I was very lucky that my dad very much entertained all of my, all of my crazy ideas of like mm -hmm. learning these weird things and trying to understand the world and what like drives us. Yes. Yes. Amazing. And I think that's a lovely thing, you know, that curiosity of children. And I love when I suppose it's embraced and nurtured. And for many children, that's not always the case. But within you, I think it's definitely being embraced and nurtured. <laughs> I was I was very lucky. It was back in the days when my dad had to take me to libraries often to oh. kind of try and find. often to be honest, he just came up with stories. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> then like when I got older and realized that a lot of the stuff that I had learned was not actually true. But uh, <laughs> your dad had a good imagination then. <laughs> he had a good imagination. He was fantastic at telling stories. Um, oh. So, uh, but that, that really just got me going and being curious about learning things and, oh. and finding to feel everything kind of being an adventure. Yes. Uh, my big challenge is I'm interested in too many things. So when I meet a person, I'm often like, wow, what do you do? Yes. Like, yeah. let me understand you better. Yes, yes. Yeah, I love that because I'm very curious. We have a saying here in Ireland called nosy. Do you have that saying? Yes. And it's not nosy. I'm very interested in people and what makes them tick and why they do you know my big question is why i do what i do and why you do what you do you know why did we find this path or what was it that brought us to this area and it mightn't be just one thing i think with you it's many things because you have such a, a varied you know past and doing so many things and probably one led on to the other what was the biggest thing that you learned about yourself mads through all of your experiences to date I think the big thing is really like perception is reality. Yes. Um, so like we can live like our mind is a paradise or hell. Mm -hmm. We're living better than kings and queens used to do. Yeah. That's so true. It's yes. so crazy to think about. 
but yet so many people are unhappy, right? Yeah. We know that a lot of, uh, some part is genetic, but mm -hmm. we also know that there's a big part that's the environment and what mm -hmm. you actually do. Yeah. So I think the biggest the biggest learning or is actually that you can take control and you can change your mindset, but it's mm -hmm. hard work like everything else. Like I've been doing gratitude journaling since 2013 now. Mm. People often ask me why I'm so happy. But one of the things is that I stop up and think about it. And I, I kind of try to notice the small things. I'm also extremely blessed. Like I've born in Denmark. It's a, a very good country, easy to have a good living and so on. Yet we have some of the highest depression rates, right? Mm. So it's not necessarily even though you've been giving many things on a silver plate, you, as depending on where you're coming from in the world, you would say most Danes have, we have free healthcare system, free schooling and so on, right? Mm. Um, so, but I think it's really like where you look uh, is so important for how you live your life. I absolutely agree with you. And one of the things you've just said is very interesting. You know, when you're talking about Denmark and free schooling and free healthcare, that is huge. You know, that is massive, which a lot of countries don't have that. But there is a huge rate of depression. Where do you think that depression comes from, Mad? Expectations. So I think, expectations. There's, so I think there's different things. Uh, we have extremely high expectations in Denmark of how good our life should be. And we haven't we don't have the perspective of how hard life could be. Mm. So I think back in the days when life were harder, we didn't have as much depression, but you also saw like how life could be a lot harder because the things people are depressed about in Denmark is what someone would give the right arm to get that kind of life mm. in other countries. So I think that lack of, uh, of perspective is, is really big. Yeah. And there's a lot of other things from like um, low D um, vitamin levels that we know have an impact and so on. And then there's also something about we are a society where we like to give diagnosis in Denmark. Yeah. Uh, we are a huge pharma country. like yes. uh, And pharma is amazing, but it can also take over that suddenly you want to give everyone a diagnosis. Like how the procedures for when you can say someone is depressed or have anxiety or different mental disorders, those have changed if you go into the history of it. So it's much easier to give someone a diagnosis right now. And we are extremely good at doing that in Denmark, unfortunately, because some people are not depressed like there is some people that are, are really like what you would say depression, but a lot of people are also really sad. Yes. Like the sad things happen in life. And I think we need to talk more about that and embracing that being human is, is mm. hard. Yeah. There's tough things. Everyone has problems. It's about having quality problems um, and like giving people some more love. We know mm. physical touch is important. We know social mm. connections are important, exercise, all of that stuff. And then if too many bad things happen at once, it's, it's not unnormal to be sad for a longer period of time. Mm, you're so right. I think for maybe even I'm from Ireland and the Irish culture is chin up, get on with it, you know, and you'll be fine. So they didn't embrace how they felt or they didn't sit with it. And it was just, you know, let it out now. Come on, get on with it. Whereas I think, yes, I would be a firm believer in, you know, connecting to yourself on a deeper level and understanding all parts of yourself and loving all parts of yourself, even the parts you don't want to show to other people. And again, that's an expectation that we're supposed to be a certain type of person, no matter where we're from or no matter what background we have, and that it's about acceptance of ourselves and that awareness of, you know, who we want to be you know, and who we want to grow into. I always say, I'm not sure yet what I want to be when I grow up. I'm still 
curious and I'm still learning and I'm still learning something new every day. I call myself an eternal student of life, Mads. <laughs> same here, same here. And I isn't think that's lovely. Also the, that's the approach to being happy is, is knowing that it's a journey. Yes. There's ups and downs and being curious and learning new things. Yeah. Like Tony Robbins is a guy that I follow for many years and he talks mm-hmm. very much about like, if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. Um, and one of the key things, if you're not feeling like you have, well, Richard Franklin, the famous book, like a, lot, a man search for meaning, the guy that survived the, the Holocaust. And yes. So like if we don't have a compelling future or compelling mm. idea of going somewhere, that's also when people really get stuck. Yes. So it's something I often work with when I work with uh, coaching clients and so on, or mm. I do workshops. It's like, how do we create that compelling vision? It might be, we might end up somewhere completely different, mm. but just having that idea that the future is actually fantastic and we have a possibility to impact it, that, mm. give, that makes a big difference. Absolutely. And I'm very much about just for today. You know, I'd say today is all I have right now. So I will make the best of this moment and of today. And during that day, you know, and I even have, you know, clients and they'll say everything is going wrong in their lives. And I'll say, okay, well, what specifically is going wrong for you? But let's look at all the other areas of your life that are going right. But what you're choosing to do is focus on the one thing that's going wrong and making the whole day about it. I'm not talking about your whole life because that's ridiculous because your whole life isn't about this one thing that's gone wrong today and I love that when you said you know and I read in your bio is that many people focus on 80% people focus on the problems and only 20% focus on the solutions so I would be very much of that mindset of going okay so here's this challenge or struggle or problem that's in front of me so how best can I help myself in that moment you know instead of going I'm never going to get out of this it's too big you know and I think that's what a lot of people do as well they overwhelm themselves with that do you think that is a habit Mads that people get into definitely it's a narrow pathway so yeah. we condition ourselves to focus on that. That's why I do the gratitude journey. Yes. Because it simply conditioned myself to look more at the positive and look at solutions. Yeah. And but if you follow the mainstream media, which is another thing why people are depressed, mm. we know that it's not representative of how it's going in the world. Mm. So there's a lot more negativity and a lot more on problems. So if you have that like constant conditioning, then you will be seen and you'll have the habit of constantly that's where you go. Yeah. And, and the simple example that kind of makes this clear, we all know these Christmas songs, right? Yes. Or these other songs, we hear them and they're just like going in the back of our mind and suddenly we're singing, right? It's the same thing with media, uh, what you're seeing on social media, what you're seeing in the news and so on. We might not be as cautious of it as we are with that song that we really hear, but it is running in the back of our mind, that slow conditioning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the... That's one of the main reasons I don't follow as much the news, simply just because there's been studies as well showing it doesn't make you more happy. I'm very like, just like, you're aware of what you put into your mouth, or Mm. I'm at least very aware of what I put into my mouth. I don't always put the right stuff in, Mm. but I'm aware of it. And I think we need to become much more aware of what is it we put into our mind, Mm. because it has just a big influence. And it really is that condition and running at the back of our mind. Yes, you're so right. So as I said a few moments ago, self-awareness for me is huge. And my only journey of real self-awareness was through a crisis, obviously, in my life. And it made me very aware of the thoughts that I was thinking constantly, my reaction 
to my life and particularly my past, you know, that I was replaying those same scenarios over and over again in my head. And it all wasn't working for me. So I realized that something had to change or that I was only existing. I wasn't living my life to my full potential. I'm still not sure what my full potential is because I'm awakening it every day and learning from beautiful people like you and with my clients and my groups. I'm always learning something from somebody and going, wow, that's a really good way to look at it. Or yes, maybe I'll try that. You know, so it's about the experiences of life. But in that awareness, there was lots of parts of myself. And again, I'm speaking from personal opinion. Mm-hmm. There was lots of myself that I didn't truly like. But I did embrace them and I said, this is part of who I am. And with that part of me, it has brought me to who I am today. And through those struggles and challenges, it has made me more resilient. And this podcast is about celebrating the resilience of the human spirit. So I'm celebrating nearly every other day, Mads, you know, that I'm alive and I'm happy and I'm smiling. I still have to do the normal things in life. But I get to do the extraordinary things which are looking out of my window now and the sun is shining in on me and everything is perfect in this moment. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it, uh, that's again, I mentioned the gratitude journal so often, but it's, it's basically just a practice to become more aware. Like you're saying, people often look strange at me sometimes when I say something because just like you're looking out of the window or just like, wow, the sun is shining yeah. or like kind of like a kid yes like, uh, like kids are happy yeah. of course not all the time uh, yeah <laughs> but that's okay too they're not supposed to be happy all the time they're no. supposed to embrace those feelings of sad and maybe they're not sure what the reasons are and i think maybe that's a little bit of the problem is adults need to have so many reasons to be sad or to be angry or frustrated And sometimes you just are, you know, and you're not sure why. So instead of just finding the reason, I'd say to him, just sit with that sad feeling for a little while. Be its friend. It's showing up for a reason. It wants you to give a little bit of attention to it for a little while. And when you do, it usually just moves. Mm. Instead of trying to repress it or push away or focus tremendously on it and keep talking about the sadness, it's just to sit quietly with it for a few moments. I fully agree. And positive psychology, many people misunderstand what that actually is. Positive mm. psychology is studying what makes us happy. Yeah. It doesn't mean you need to be happy all the time. And all of the experts talk often have to spend time on actually explaining like that's not positive psychology. Mm. Positive psychology is acknowledging you're a human being. Yeah. It's human to have different emotions and emotions are some kind of signal. Sometimes it's also just hormones going through your body mm-hmm. and then you just need to kind of sit with it and be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the same as you sit with it for like 20 hours or you continue to be in it. But it's yeah. okay just to have these different kind of feelings and just like, okay, mm-hmm. why is this potentially coming? What is this telling me? Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't really figure out what it's telling me, but I'm just going to sit with it as you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it just passes or mm-hmm. you might figure out the reason or after a little while, you go on with your day and then you focus on something else that's more positive. But I think it's really important, like the more we try and suppress our feelings, the more they're just going to build up and either become disease or suddenly it's going to explode. So it's extremely important that we actually just like become aware and mm-hmm. accept that we are human beings. 
Yes, absolutely. And when you were talking there, I know an exercise that, you know, again, for any of our listeners that maybe experience that, you know, overwhelm of emotions and they're not sure what that first step to take. One little tip that I give to my groups and clients is, you know, and I've used it myself. So everything I've learned, I've learned for myself first in my own personal development. And then I usually study it more and then teach it to people so that they have those tools and techniques no more than you, Mads. But one of the simplest ones, and I teach this to children and adults, is to go into the body wherever you're feeling that, you know, wherever you feel the body is kind of drawing your attention to it. And sometimes with kids, it can be the tummy, the stomach area, you know, and they feel funny and they don't know how they feel. And I'd say, well, if you could imagine that there is a color in that area, what color would it be? And they'll come up with some spectacular color or it'll be the color black. And I'll say, well, just go into that color for a few moments and just breathe into the color. And how does that feel? And once you kind of take the emphasis off, how do you feel? But you say the color, then it becomes a little bit easier to express it. And for children, of course, they don't have the emotional intelligence. But for adults, I found mad is they don't have the emotional intelligence because they're not used to going into the emotion, to sit with it, to be with it and to listen. I'm all about listening. And they just don't listen to themselves. They only listen to the voice that keeps saying, you're no good. Oh, what are you doing? Or your life's a mess. Or this is disgraceful. La, 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 la. What do you think of that, Mads? Well, I think there's a lot of learning to understand the body and, yeah. and daring to sit with like what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are too much in our head. Yes, yes. I'm definitely the type as well that's mostly in my head. Um, it's mostly when I'm coaching, when I am kite surfing when I am teaching and so on, I really feel I'm much more in my body, mm-hmm. which feels fantastic. Yes. There's a lot to, to learn about just sitting with it. And as you're talking about breathing as well, is huge when it comes to everything in life. Mm. You forget to breathe and that can just open up and you start to feel better, right? So when you start to feel anxious or something else, your breath changes. Yes. If you start to like hit yourself in the head, your mm-hmm. breath changes. So just changing that allows up for a better understanding of yourself. But there's definitely a lot more in that we need to get back to kind of filling our bodies and and we kind of put yeah. that away and everything comes in cycles, right? Then we mm. got such a big focus on everything needs to be cognitive and we need to think our way through it. Mm. I think we're definitely going to see a wave coming now where we're going to learn more about actually also being in the body and, and understanding the body's intelligence as well. Yes. Like there's a reason why we're now figuring out that the microbiome is so important, which is in the stomach. Mm like the, another brain as they're saying yes. so i think it's an area that's going to come out more and more the challenge is still or i would say one of the challenges is that uh, when you have a diet that's really bad um, and we might not have learned to use and trust our gut in the same way and if you have with a bunch of chemicals it might not and you're taking a bunch of weird medicine as well it might not be sending you the pure signals mm. um, and might not have that ability um, so it's something to practice but still be aware of like are you budding some kind of sink? Yes, yes, absolutely. And there is an awful lot about our gut, you know, now. And you said it is, they call it the second brain here. And for me, I suppose I've been meditating for years when I became more aware and I was developing myself personally and really learning more about myself, you know. So I always talk about my own experiences to say to people, I'm not just learning it out of a book and telling you this is something I have done myself and it has worked for me. 
But I'm learning more and more about gut health now as mm. well and how now studies have shown that Alzheimer's starts in the gut, that there's many things that are starting in the gut before they ever reach the brain, which is so amazing. It's spectacular when we're freaking out about the gut. Yeah. And how it has such an important impact. Um, we used to think it was all in the brain. Yeah. Now we're like, what is it? 90% of serotonin is produced in the gut. That's correct. So we need, that's also why exercise is so important. Mm. And food. I should probably yes. say food first, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the food that we're eating yes. and the movement as well to make sure. But like what we eat is, is really part of the thoughts that we're going to get afterwards. Yes, yes. And I again, I think, well, coming from, say, going back years ago and they planted all their own food and they ate their own meat that they farmed and they had their own milk and all of those things and everything has become processed now and convenient So we've all been guilty of that, of going into the supermarkets and buying everything that we need and everything is so packaged and, you know, it lasts for weeks. And I always think, how could anything last for weeks, really, <laughs> if it's fresh produce? Yes. So I think we're all becoming more aware of that. And again, it's people listening and educating themselves. And unfortunately, what I have found in a lot of people, Maz, is they only start educating themselves when something happens you know, something dramatic or traumatic happens in their lives. So say, for example, if somebody starts getting a physical unwellness and they realize that their body isn't functioning or working as well as it used to. So they go to their doctors and they get all these tests and they find out there's something wrong, we'll say with their gut. And then they have to change their lifestyle. They have to change what they're eating. And as a result, everything starts changing. But that's a huge change for people to make, because, again, the programming and the pattern is to continue doing it the same old way because it's easier, even though I'm not feeling well, it's just easier to do it this way. And doing it that way is a little bit harder. How can you. I suppose, try and encourage people to change those bad habits into better habits for themselves. So the, the challenge is human nature. Like we do what's convenient for us, right? So you can't really change someone that doesn't want to change. Yeah. I remember my own coach told me that once. I was like, Mess, you are a wonderful guy, but you have to learn to accept that you cannot change people that don't want to change. Yeah. But that's the problem. So what can we actually do? But I think that's important to take into consideration, especially for people listening that wants to help other people and they might end up hitting themselves in the head. I think it's it's showing a good example so that people get inspired to see that you're living a good life, like you're taking care of yourself and they might see you change of being someone that didn't have as much energy and suddenly you have that energy. Mm. You show up in a different way. So they're actually like, okay, I see something is different in you. Mm. like what's happened with you Sharon and you can explain mm. about your journey and people are like okay I might not have these challenges but I'm kind of inspired by mm. the new level of energy you have the presence that you have mm. I think that's that's definitely one way and then of course there's the education as we do here with the podcast we try and make it fun we try and make mm. it interesting uh, we try not to make it too dry to mm. learn about how to live your best life I think that's a huge like entertainment when you look at Netflix how yeah. they've been able to have such a big impact because they make it entertaining Yeah. And then suddenly people want to change. So yes. I think those are actually the easiest vehicles, like be a big inspiration mm. by leading and then making the content fun and interesting. So people yeah. are more um, willing to actually change. Of course, there's a bunch of tools for how to change habits, uh, which is also what I write about in my book. Mm. But the first step is really figuring out that you want to change. 
Yes. And I think there are a lot of people out there, Maz, aren't they, that they really want to change, you know, and they know they're kind of lacking in energy and they know they should eat better and they know they should do more exercise. And, you know, we're all guilty of that. But I always say again, well, why do you want to do it? So if anyone came to me and they, you know, they're just not feeling great in themselves and the moods are low and I'll say, well, what way do you want to feel? You know, what way would you like to feel? What way would you want to look? You know, and why do you want to do that? Because I think, again, if we know the why, it's like I always say, well, why do I do what I do? Because I love doing it. I love the way I feel. I love meeting new people. So I keep coming back to the why. So, again, I say to people, why do you want to start this? You know, what are the benefits of it? And when they can see, again, here we're focusing on the solution, like how is this going to improve my life? And we focus on them instead of how hard it's going to be or what I have to change in my life. And I usually start off by telling them to make one change, just one simple change to keep it simple, stick to the very basic things. And that might be food because we all eat. So what is the one thing in your diet that you know is not good for you? And what about pushing that over to the side, even if it's only for a month and replacing it with something healthier. Could that be something that you could do? And usually there's, well, I could try. (laughs) But once you have a strong enough why, the how becomes much easier. There you go. Yes. And you know that as a coach, like if you don't get the why and you don't get that anchor. Yeah. People already know much of the stuff that they need to do. Yes, absolutely. Don't have a strong enough reason to do it. Yeah. So I also spend a ton of time in, in the book that I wrote about habits is like we focus on who do you want to be? Yeah. Because once you know who you want to be, it's easier to figure out what are the habits that are going to come natural to you? Yeah. What are the habits that you actually want to do and why are you going to do those habits? Instead of the classic that we hear podcasts, we read something on Instagram, something in the news like, hey, this news hack or you should do this. And we're like, okay, that sounds kind of cool. Let me try that out. And then we fail and we and many people end up getting this feeling of always failing with trying new things mm. so they end up giving up and they're not really going full-hearted into it any longer because they're already expecting to fail mm. whereas they actually figure out what are the habits that are going to serve you and that you really want and get it big enough why and then get the tools afterwards because the tools are easier whether you get it from a coach which is super highly recommendable because it's it helps a lot or whether you find it from books or podcasts and so on mm. and it's much easier when you have those tips as well to actually succeed with it Yes, very good, Mads. Tell me about where did you find resistance in your own life? Because again, people see us and they sometimes think that we're all perfect and we're doing everything the best of our ability, which we are, but that we also have met resistance in our own lives. What was the biggest hurdle for you or the biggest part of your life that you felt resistance? So I basically had two things. The first is what set me on to psychology. And that was... uh, people in my life that were feeling really, really bad. Mm. Um, starting my teen years and then I had a, an ex-girlfriend now that really didn't like, um, had a lot of psychological challenges in mm. um, way. So that really got me thinking like, what is it that makes someone live a happy life and mm. someone an unhappy life? What are the things that really makes a difference? Going into deep in psychology to also figuring out like what we eat matters, how we exercise, all of that stuff. So that that was a big thing for me to to learn about that. And that got me into a journey quite early, learning from the Dalai Lama, from Tony Robbins and so on, that really gave a lot of tools for like whenever I ran into different resistance later in my life, ran into like health issues, mm. um, where I was like, okay, no way in hell I'm going to accept an answer 
that there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Like, I don't believe that. If we can fly to the moon, mm -hmm. don't freaking tell me <laughs> that we can solve health issues. Like, yeah. and there's new things coming out constantly. So, so those tools for learning how to kind of take ownership of my own mental state and always believing that there is some kind of solution or finding some kind of meaning mm. um, is really what I've used whenever I came into challenges when I got older. Mm, very good. I love that. And again, it's that curiosity, you know, and trying to find out instead of saying this is just the way it is. And, you know, this is I can do nothing about it. I'm always saying we can always do something, even if it's only in our mind. We can do something starting in our own mind and the body responds to that. Mm -hmm. I'm always saying that the body will respond to your mind because, again, you're feeding it something that's better for us than what you were feeding it maybe the day before. So absolutely, I love that. Tell me all about your book, Maz. So I'm writing a book right now on habits, simply because habits are driving so much of our life. So I was looking at what's an area, I've done a ton of workshops on habits, helping people change their habits. So it's like, I could make this into a simple book. Again, going back to many things, I like to get straight to the point. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, how do I make something kind of like a workshop? So I don't just uh, get people curious or think like, ah, this was interesting about heaven. But how do I make it kind of like a workshop where when they're done with the book, they've actually started working on the habits? Because mm -hmm. as you know, as a coach as well, information is not power. Execution is power. It's yeah. actually doing something. It's action that's power. Yeah. So how, did I, how could I write a book that actually got people to take action? Mm -hmm. So right now is at the second round of feedback. Um, I'm trying also, as I learned with building startups and so on, it's extremely important to get feedback instead of just thinking you know everything. Yes. So I send it out to, uh, to a lot of people in the target audience so I can make those tweaks and make sure that people actually do the exercises and, and follow through with these things because there's already so many good books out there mm. on the tools for how to build habits. There's Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg, there's Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear, wonderful books, mm. uh, and I love both of them. What I was missing was something that was a bit more hands-on yeah. and that kind of not forces, but kind of puts the expectation that if you're reading this book, you're doing the work mm -hmm. and otherwise put it away. Mm -hmm. Like go out and enjoy the sun, do something else. There's more fun stuff than reading a book. You might be a nerd like me, <laughs> but still you, there must be more fun stuff unless you're actually willing to do something about it. That's at least the purpose of the book is that it's a, sorry, my language, a no bullshit guide for how yeah. to master habits. Very good. I love that, Matt. And I love the fact of the hands-on. That would be one thing I would be um, an advocate for. So again, if I see clients or groups, I give them homework, you know, so they're not just waiting for me to give them all the information and then walk out and wait till they come again and see me, that they have to go away and they have to do something. They have to take responsibility for their own lives. And as you said earlier, if someone is not willing to change, there's no point trying to give them the tools until they're ready. Sometimes we can plant a seed and that could be through the podcast. It could be through books. It could be through whatever, any workshops we do. And it plants a seed. Maybe they're not ready right then, but they will be. But when they're reading your book, there is going to be that um, activity side of it, I suppose, you know, that they're going to get involved in it. And if they're going to start looking at their own lives in a way, which is brilliant. I love that idea of it because I think, Yes, we can read all the self-help books and all the guides and everything we want in the world. But if we don't take action, it's kind of, you know, futile. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We could like go for a long walk in the woods instead. That's yeah. better for you. Yeah. Like absolutely. one of the, my favorite books and what I always get asked is still my book from Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. Yeah. And what he did in, in the book is like 500 pages long, right? 
huge book, but it had exercises and he like urges you to actually do it. And I can go back now and I still have it over on my mm. bookcase and I can see what I wrote down as when I was 19 years old, right? And it was some of those exercises that was part of transforming my life. It was of mm. course what I was reading, but it was that I was actually doing it because that's the way that you really learn it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love it. And even when you were looking over to the shelf in our podcast, listeners can't see you doing that, but I can see you doing it. And there's that lovely kind of recognition in your eyes and your face that it changed something in your own mindset as you were reading it and doing the exercises, you know, and I think that's a powerful thing as well, because a lot of the time people don't remember what you said, but they remember the experience or the feeling they had when they were with you or working with you or in a workshop or in a coaching session. And I often think about that. People remember things by the experiences and how it felt at that time. And they'll either remember the worst experiences or the best experiences, you know. So for me, I like to take in a day. And I say this to many people and again to my listeners listening is at the end of the day, you always have something to be grateful for. Even if you believed it was the worst day you've ever had in your life, that if you really look closely, you can just give thanks for the bed that you sleep on, the roof over your head, the water that you drink, you know, the shoes that you put on your feet and you've just taken off, you know, that you have a bathroom and you have running water. Start with those simple things and you will have a list of things to be grateful for. And then the worst day of your life becomes a day of, well, it wasn't too bad because look at all I have here right now in this moment. I, f I fully agree. That's yeah. also like, I think my own listeners are a bit tired of me mentioning the gratitude journal, but it is just such a powerful tool. Yes, I and think it is the most powerful tool. Yeah. And you also realize some days because you, you might have had some difficult hours in the end of the day. And then you're like, oh, tough day. And then you're like, wow, actually my morning, this good stuff happened, this good stuff happened. Mm -hmm. And you end up being like, wow, this was actually a fantastic day. I had like one bad hour or like two or three yes. bad hours, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And then again, like just being grateful, like you have roof over your head, you have food, mm -hmm. water, it just yeah. helps. Absolutely. And even that you said, when we say that, you know, a few bad hours or whatever else it is, and the rest of the day was good. Again, it's our perception about what is bad and what's not so bad. And that part of, and this is a very important statement that you made at the very start of this podcast was that it is our, as a human being, we are going to experience everything, even in the course of 24 hours, you know, depending on where we are in our situation and who we surround ourselves by. So that's another thing to look at. If you're having a continuous amount of bad hours, you know, in a week or a month or in years, you have to take a look at yourself and say, well, why am I experiencing all of this bad hours, you know, and then bad days and bad weeks and months? What is it? Where am I allowing my energy to be pulled out of me? You know, because nobody's doing it intentionally. You're allowing that to happen. So again, you take responsibility and say, okay, this is my life. How do I want it to look? What am I going to do about it? And I love the fact that you said in your book, you're going to give activities to people to really look at it, to follow through on the activities or go for a walk out in the woods on a sunny or a rainy day. <laughs> Very good, Mads. Can you tell me a little bit about when you were um, playing sport at a very high level, what kept you motivated? It was kind of easy. Wow. It's, it's hard to say, like, I think, yeah. and I think it's driving me a lot today as well. Yeah. 
is that I do things that I love to do. Good. Um, so I was just loving playing sports. Mm -hmm. I learned the, the discipline, I guess, quite early that you showed up. A big thing was probably the teammates. Mm -hmm. So for me, being around other people is extremely important. And I love to be part of a team um, Yeah, that you're contributing to. But I yeah. think that's also what I take to to my work today is that I, I make sure I structure as much as possible around things that I find that are enjoyable. Mm. I'm very aware of what I find enjoyable. That's not the same as all work is fun. Yes. But I stop up quite often to see like, what do I have to change? Mm. And that's also why I changed, even though I had like amazing jobs. I changed because I could see I was not moving in the direction where I would have the the right mix of stuff that made me uh, really enjoy what I was doing. Mm. And I'm driven very much by passion. So I end up spending a ton of hours working because I find it so fascinating. So it also has to be something that that is fun to do. Yes, absolutely. And I think when I asked you about the sport, really, because I know it does play into your life now and it has to be a passion and you have to love doing. But but a big element is about your teammates. So it was more of a social thing and it personally developing around other people as well. And I think for me, and especially with COVID and everything over the past 18 months, I think people became a little bit more isolated in themselves and they didn't have that connection with other people, don't mind themselves. And everything was, as you said, looking at the media and everything was through a screen. And we became a little bit, uh, we came a little bit kind of like hermits, I think, you know, and there's a lot of social anxiety now coming out of this lockdown, you know, that people said, oh, it's actually easier to stay in than having to work you know, and getting to know new people and experiencing new things in life and that they can become quite, oh, I'm not sure what the word is. I've seen it happen to a few people and I'm kind of like, wow, that's really interesting to see. And even people that were working from home, they didn't want to go back into the office, back into the environment where there was people around them, real live people that laughed and you could see their face. And I found that fascinating because I would be a great, I would love people around me. I think the interaction is so important for our well-being. And that has changed. Are we becoming a nation of screen people? I think we already are. Yeah. Not just becoming like... I think the classical, so I also uh, teach at schools mm -hmm. sometimes and it's striking for me to see that when I was, uh, when I went to school, we didn't have cell phones. No. I'm old enough for, uh, for that times. Yes. Uh, we only got cell phones like when I was at the end of my school years, right? But so like in the breaks, we would talk together. Mm. Where today, many of the kids are sitting on a phone separately, right? Mm. So. Not everything is bad, but we're definitely seeing that many people are losing the ability of the face-to-face -face communication. Mm. Um, I know there's research as well showing that especially teenagers and so on are not as good as face-to-face -face communication, which is super natural because they spend most of the time on a screen. Yeah. And, and we're doing that as well. Yeah. So there's definitely, and it's easy to be in our comfort zone. Again, going back to also in Denmark, in many ways we have a good life, but not that happy, right? Mm. Um, if we don't get pressured to get out of our comfort zone, which is just being in the comfort zone is most people when we ask the kids like how is it life if you're only in your comfort zone mm. and you're only allowed to be there most of them say like boring not cool and so on mm. but yet it takes something for us to get out of our comfort zone and, and it is a skill like the more you go out and talk to people the better you get at talking to people yeah. right? 
So it's definitely a challenge. At the same time, there's also the positive of not everyone gets that energy from being out and talking to uh, a mm. lot of individuals. I think a, a better balance is probably that people are going to have two to three days at home working because you have that more deep work, mm-hmm. but also getting to the offices. And I think that's also what most of the research is showing that most employees prefer still seeing coworkers mm. and then having a few days of uh, deep work, no interruptions and, uh, and flexibility at home. Yeah. And I think it's about the flexibility and the balance, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad you use that word because I'm continuously using it in my own life and with the people I work with. And it's to find a balance every day, you know, between the good and the bad, between being, you know, um, working so much and having uh, time to do your fitness or your sleep, more importantly, you know, that we need sleep. The body recovers and heals with that sleep. And I know for many people, they would say they have an issue with sleep. And then again, because they're on their screens up until the minute they are closing their eyes to again, develop a routine around that, a good habit, you know, about cutting screen time. And one of the things that I do is that I will check my messages before I switch it off in the evening or I put it on silent and I leave it in a different room so that I don't have the habit of picking it up and looking at it you know, which creates anxiety for people. They have to keep looking at their phone constantly, even if there's no notifications coming in in case they're going to miss something, you know. And I just think it's so funny because imagine if our ancestors saw us now (laughs) looking at a phone every five seconds. They just think it's ridiculous. It is crazy. I also put my phone on flight mode and put it out the room. Good. And I luckily got my girlfriend on board of that now. Oh, that was a habit and she really appreciates it now. And she yes. can see that she also gets better sleep yeah. because the brain doesn't have that something is lying next to me that I can potentially enter, right? Yeah. But it is a habit to get out of it and it's something that you have to do for a while to relax more into it because you're used to like, oh, I can always be there if there's something, right? Mm. Yes, absolutely. So they're just little tips and little habits, you know, and I always say start with the little ones, start with the things that's easy. So the phone is something that you can leave away from you. You know, even I said start with an hour or two, you know, before you go to bed, don't have it on, turn it off. And actually you start feeling more relaxed in yourself, you know, and that's honest to God, that's the way I feel constantly. And sometimes I know sometimes over the weekend, if I'm not working or teaching, I love to have the phone off altogether. It does give another um, sense of relaxation in the body. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's for people that like I tried it myself and I'm definitely addicted to my phone like many of I'm an imperfect human being. I'm not yes. trying to say anything else. Um, but that feeling of like putting it away for like just 24 hours. Yes. If that's really hard, then you know you have a challenge. That yeah. was definitely what I faced. I was like, okay, if I have a hard time just putting my phone away for 24 yes. hours, something is off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's for anything. You know, it's something that, you know, is creating kind of an anxious state within you, whatever that is in your life. And that could be a person. It could be a phone. It could be a job. It could be your school. It can be whatever relationship is to say, if it's creating this much anxiety within me, in my body, in my mind and in my life, there is something then that I need to change about this. Maybe it's my the way that I use it or I interact with it, if it is a person or the job I'm in, maybe it's maybe it's just not the job for me, or maybe I can change things around the way I do it. Maybe it's working from home for a few days a week and then working in the office with my coworkers. There's many things we can do. And that's the lovely thing, Mads, you know, and I love that about 
you, you know, you have that very positive outlook and that it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't have to look this way or the same as everybody else does it, but it's to find a way that works for you. I think that is so key. Yeah. People are too hard on themselves. Like I work on like, how do you build your best life and also like mm. top performance and so on. But it's important to remember that we are human beings. Mm. We are imperfect. Um, and of course we need to figure out like so many people, they numb themselves mm-hmm. with technology instead of, as you're saying, figuring out like, Hey, I hate my job, mm. but then figuring out like, okay, so something can change in your job yeah. or do you need to find something? Oh, I don't like my partner or mm. I don't like my friends or whatever mm. it is. Right. Um, people get just caught up in, in their phones or something else instead of actually realizing like how are they actually feeling about their life. Mm. So I think yes. it's super important to, to actually do that stop up once in a while. So particularly for our younger people, you know, that are out there and they're struggling maybe and they are addicted to their phones, even though they might not think of it as an addiction because it's they've grown up with the phones and they think it's part of it's like their right arm. It's always there or in their pocket somewhere and they're looking at it constantly. But again, I think there's a huge amount of anxiety around young people. And especially now where they've come out of lockdown and they've been away from their friends. They didn't have the social outlets, so they were stuck at home or in apartments or wherever. But maybe they're coming out into the world now and they're starting a new college course or maybe a new job and they're coming in to meet new people. And, you know, and they're they're worried about, you know, people liking them or where to start or what to do or what to get involved in or how to be, (laughs) you know, who can they be? We're still learning. What advice would you give to them in particular, Mads? Kind of what we talked about before, don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, and probably know that no one is perfect. If you look at Instagram and now it's TikTok, especially for the girls, many of the girls would wish they look like they do on their pictures. So many of them use apps and so on to make them look different than they look in real life. Mm-hmm. And that creates an artificial world, which is fake and not how the world really is. Mm-hmm. So don't think you're so much less than everyone else. Mm. And then something that I'm very impatient and I'm still that at this age, <laughs> but knowing that what happens now doesn't matter that much in a few years time. I learned this exercise of like trying to fly up in a helicopter and you can see like really high up your entire life on like a straight line mm. and then see like this moment in time. Mm-hmm. It might be bad, but it's not that important. It's Absolutely. not going to affect the rest of your life. Yeah. Very good. I love that. Yeah. And gratitude journal. Yes. Gratitude journal. Yes. And the funny thing is I created a gratitude journal after I wrote my first book, because for me, no more than you, Mads, it was about giving them an activity to do. And also, you know, a little bit of guidance, because I, I feel some people are not sure where to start, you know, so... I would say, well, just start naming three things or writing three things. And when you write three things, you'll end up writing maybe five things the next day or 10 things the next day. But when I did the journal, it was to help people that may have had that belief that things cannot change for them, that this is who they are, depending on their age. And I believe anyone can change at any age. So absolutely, I think gratitude would be the top thing on my list also. And that every morning that I wake up, I take that breath of you know alertness coming into the world and that I'm grateful for that bed that, you know, let my body occupy it for the night and keep it warm and safe and that I'm breathing and I can put my feet back on the ground again. And I think if we just focus on that 
first before anything else in the day that could be the start of an amazing day i fully agree lovely is there any message mads that you would like to leave our listeners with do that gratitude journal (laughs) 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 nothing else test it out there's a ton of other things like breathing and yes. uh, get morning sunlight and so on we could go into. Yes. Um, but it's just leaving one, I think is like figure out what you're grateful for. Yeah. Not only just like writing it down, but also so you know, like, why might you be numbing yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but spend more time, like life is beautiful. Yeah. Like it's absolutely fantastic. And once you figure out some of the things that really give you joy and you start pursuing that, then then life life really is a fantastic ride even though there's some challenges and so on mm. and i think for me the gratitude journal also helped me become more aware of the things that i love to do and how i need to structure my day mm. very good i love that mads thank you so much um we've been talking for nearly an hour and it feels like it's just been a few minutes because you're a very interesting person i can see the passion in everything that you talk about and that you have an amazing purpose in your life and now helping others and i know you'll do that through your book it sounds amazing and also through your work and your coaching and your workshops and you've achieved so much and we haven't talked about half the things that you've done in your life or that you're going to do so i'm sure in time i'll be hearing wondrous things about you but for anybody that would like to get in contact with you or find out more about you they can check out www.growthisland.com you also your podcast growth island podcast and you're on instagram as well mads m F-R-I-I-S backslash and you're on LinkedIn as well. So I urge people to check out Mads and check out his work. And I look forward to learning more about what you are going to bring out into the world. And thank you so much, Mads. Thank you so much for having me on. It was really a pleasure. You are very welcome. And thank you. And the best of luck with everything you do in your life.